Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. So if you will take your pew Bible or hopefully the Bible you brought with you or your Bible app on your phone or tablet, whatever you have, if you would open it to Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 21 for our text today. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there was a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at the sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Lebanon belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome and both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine, which parenthetically means they are drunk. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed him, men of Judea, all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what is spoken through the prophet Joel, that in the last days it will be God, declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I shall show portents in heaven above and signs in earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Be to God. Would you pray with me? So gracious God, our anthems fill these walls and pour out into the world around us. We've laid our petitions at your feet and now we hear your word read and proclaimed and may your spirit be poured out upon us just as it was on the apostles at Pentecost. Let us clearly hear who you would have us be, what you would have us do, 
and how you would have us do it. So that we would depart this time together, not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So if you look up the phrase red letter day in the dictionary, you come up with a phrase that says something like that these are dates to be denoted as having special significance. So we think about these in terms of things like our personal life, say an anniversary or a birthday or maybe even one of those big birthdays that involves a zero or a five. Think of a colleague of mine, a mentor that I had in ministry, he just a couple of days ago had one of those big birthdays, one of those red letter days in his personal life. Not just a big birthday, but a big milestone in ministry. He turned 75. And though he had retired from ministry, he, when he retired, I said, what are you going to do? And he goes, I don't know. And about six weeks later, the bishop called him and said, we have a little church. They just need someone to preach. And he's been doing that ever since he retired. So for 50 years, he has been in ministry. So this is a red letter day for him, not only turning 75, but coming to the end of his 50th year of ministry. But then we have red letter days, say, in the world and in our nation, important moments in history, such as May 20th, 1775, the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, the first one for our colonies only to give way to the one that's more popularly known, July 4, 1776. Or November 11, 1918, the armistice in World War I, which we now know as Veterans Day. Or December 7th, the date which will live in infamy, or 9-11-2001. Or every four years, we're reminded that January 20th is Inauguration Day. We have red-letter days in the church. We have feast days like December the 6th, the feast day of St. Nicholas, or I'm going to test you on this one, February the 14th, the feast day of who? St. Valentine's, thank you. It's not just a Hallmark day, it's actually a Christian holiday. Hallmark thinks they own it, but we've owned it long before they were in existence. Then there are liturgical red letter days, things like Christmas and Easter and Ash Wednesday, which leads us up to today. A red-letter day in the life of the church, it's Pentecost. And everything about today screams red-letter day. Many of you are wearing red. It may just be happenstance, or maybe you dialed into Pentecost. If you saw Kate May earlier this morning, she was a liturgist at her 9 o'clock service. A red dress, sparkly shoes, and even a mask with fire on it. I mean, she just, whole ensemble, put the rest of us on staff to shame. Maybe next year I'll have a, a red suit. Who knows? Um, doubt it. But anyway, think about these red-letter days. In this morning's text, we tell the story of Pentecost. If you think about life in the post-resurrection, in the days following Jesus' resurrection, he appeared multiple times to the disciples, and he said, Don't hold on to me. I have not ascended yet. But when I do, I will send the Advocate. And for the 40 days following Easter, this was what he said almost every time he appeared to the disciples. But then a week ago, Thursday, we celebrated the ascension of Jesus. 40 days after Easter, where he finally goes to heaven, leaves the earthly plane to rule from the right hand of God. And he tells the disciples as he's going, 
Now I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait there for me. I will send the advocate. I will send the Holy Spirit. And that's where our text picks up today. Ten days later, they're in Jerusalem for the festival, for one of the Jewish holidays, and all of a sudden, a mighty wind fills the house. The sound of a mighty wind. And then there were tongues of fire. And next thing you know, the disciples have the ability to speak in all the languages of the world to tell the glory of Jesus. People that were gathered there in their, in their day and time, there weren't bilingual folks. They only spoke the language of their culture, their country. So a few months ago, we went to visit Clara, and as we were riding on a bus somewhere, there was a group of college students, young adults, and they were sitting there talking. And as most Europeans, they speak multiple languages, and their conversation was a smattering of all of them. If you spoke any fragment of it, you might have picked up on what they were saying. But if you spoke Spanish and German and French and English, you could follow along. I was on the conversation because it was loud. I could pick up about 25% of it. That's what it was like at Pentecost. All of a sudden, the people could understand the whole teaching of the apostles. Pentecost is this red-letter day in our church's history because it's the birth of the Christian church. It's when the apostles took the teachings of Jesus and began to put them in practice and build communities. In terms of our liturgical calendar, it's the hinge point between the stories of Jesus' life, what we talked about from Advent to Ascension, to the story of Jesus' people. That's us, the church, living those teachings. We'll be in that part of the liturgical calendar from now until Christ the King Sunday, the next to last Sunday in November. Hearing and studying those stories of what God's people do with God's teachings. It's a red letter day because it reminds us as individuals and as a church that we have a calling to fulfill. That the fire of the Holy Spirit has been poured out over each and every one of us and over our congregation and all the churches of the world like a mighty wind and that when we gather much like the apostles in this place that we need to allow that fire to ignite in our hearts. And as that spark ignites and we understand our calling from the Holy Spirit to fan the flames of that calling until they burn brightly for all the world to see and we use that calling of the Holy Spirit to refine the mission field around us. I think of Jesus' early ministry. You know, there was John the Baptist who dressed sort of, you know, really rough, sort of like a, a mountain man, if you will. And he was wearing, you know, just sackcloth and ate locusts and honey, had a long, scraggly beard, and was really rough looking. But he was out in the wilderness baptizing people, saying he was preparing the way for the Lord. He said, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming will baptize you with water and the fire of the Holy Spirit. He used those words because he wanted people to understand that the Holy Spirit would fill us and consume our lives. It's our calling as we think about this idea of Pentecost and the fire pouring out over the apostles. It's our reminder to let that fire anchor in our hearts and consume our very being. Much in the same way that the disciples, when they were first called, Jesus said, come follow me. But in the course of following, they became true believers, truly invested, consumed, if you will, by that phrase, come follow me. I think about this idea of a calling of the spark of the Holy Spirit calling to each of our lives. I think about a conversation I had with one of our young adults just 
a couple of weeks ago. She was overwhelmed about her life, trying to figure out what she was going to do. She's graduating and coming up and trying to figure out, is she going to go into the working world? Is she going to go to graduate school? And she didn't know what to do. And I finally said, just stop. Let me ask you three questions. And I think it'll set you in the right direction. What is your heart telling you that you want to do? What makes your heart sing in all these options you've laid out? What keeps coming back up that won't let go of you? That's your passion. That's your spark. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, do this, anchor your life in doing this. And it doesn't just happen with folks who are thinking about their future college students and young adults. Instead, it's any one of us, because in our lives, there are various chapters. Some of us are on the front and thinking about what colleges we might apply to, or what we want to take next year, or what are we going to do with our lives post-college, or maybe even in, our mid, in midlife crisis. I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. I feel like there's something else. Something won't let go of us. Or maybe you've even crossed that line, a red-letter day where you have finally gotten the gold watch. God is calling you for something still. What's the spark in your heart? What keeps coming back up? What won't let go of you? Because when you understand that, you understand what God is calling you to do. Let that catch fire in your soul, in your heart, just as it did in the apostles in that, in that room. But we know about fire is it's not enough just to get it to spark and to light a little bit. Once you get it to light, if you want to have a really productive fire, you've got to fan the flames. You've got to add fuel to it so that you can have a roaring fire. Well, Pentecost reminds us that we too need to tend the spark of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. That we need to tend it so that it won't burn out, so that we nurture that calling and that we're really in line with God, with what God wants for us. So I want to offer you just a couple of tools, some ways that you can fan that flame, that spark that God has laid in your heart. The first of them is worship. Now we gathered for worship today, but you know, there's so many times that people gather for worship, you know, on the big high holy seasons. Let's really talk about Christmas and Easter. And they come, they fill a place, and they're so excited. The music is soaring, the preaching is awesome, the prayers are great, everything happens. They love to be in community with each other. And they say, oh my gosh, I need to come back to church. I need to do more of this. I don't need to just wait till Christmas and Easter. And I am so tempted to say, well, you know we're open next week, right? I'm tempted to say that, but that's really crass sounding. But the reality is, churches, we're always open for worship. And here's the best thing about that. We're always open for worship, but you can take us with you. I mean, thanks to live stream, you've ever, almost 99% of us have one of these that can connect to the internet. We can live stream worship. So some of you have vacation homes and some of you got travel plans this summer and you're going to go and I understand that. But take us with you. Because it's when we worship together, when we listen to the spoken and the preached word that we're able to fan the flames of what God has laid in our hearts. Worship is a community experience. It's not just a solitary thing that we experience only by ourselves. And the way that we really live into that is, think about what happens after worship. Today, after worship, many of you are going to gather out there on the porch and check in with each other. How are you? How is it? Talk about the music. Talk about the prayers. Maybe you'll talk about the sermon. But what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to take worship with you throughout the week. 
And no matter where you are, you can do that. If you dial it in on your phone as you're at the beach, you all can talk about worship over lunch. As you're watching the waves crash ashore, as you're watching the sunset, you can talk about what happened. Discuss what mattered most to you, what spoke to you, what you're wrestling with. Have that dialogue because it's in that dialogue that you're adding fuel, you're fanning the flames. You begin to understand that homework of what is God calling us to do. But then there's the next thing you can do. We've been talking a lot since the first this year about bringing our Bibles to worship or reading the Bible or the pew Bible or looking at it on your Bible app. Spend time in God's Word. That's the guidebook for life. There's not anything we face that the Bible won't speak to in some form or fashion if we're willing to engage the text. So this summer we're going to be studying the Psalms throughout each day of the week. You saw this in the bulletin somewhere around page 4 or 5 or 6. Summer in the Psalms, something that Susanna's put together. Spend time in those Psalms and see what the ancient hymn book has to offer us. There's some questions I want you to ask when you read the text, whether it's a Psalms or a Gospel or an Epistle or something out of the Old Testament. What's unique about this text? What is God doing in this text? What are the enemies of God doing in this text? What are the people of God doing in this text? What does the text say to you? And end with this question. So what? So what do I do with this today? So what does this mean for me now? So what? So how does it impact my life? See, when we're starting to look at the scriptures that way, not just as a storybook, but really something that can have an impact on us and seeing how God speaks to us, we are fanning the flames. We are adding fuel to the fire that landed in our hearts, just like that spark at Pentecost. The other thing that we can do to fan those flames is to pray. I mean, prayer is the best weapon for change in the world. Prayer is the thing that helps us discern what God wants. Us. Prayer is the guidance that we need. Take time to tune the world out, the busyness of it, and to fan the flames to ask the impossible questions. If you think that there's something that won't leave you alone and you're unsure if that's the calling, ask God the impossible question. Lord, is this what you want me to do? Because you're going to hear the answer. And even if you don't, if the answer scares you, ask God to guide you. That will add fuel to that fire till it burns brightly for all the world to see. See, what happens is that all of a sudden Pentecost becomes this festival nature of it since there's pageantry involved with it. There's color. So you've heard all the soaring music. I mean, we even got the horns out today, right? So we've filled the room. We've got... We've changed the pyramids. We only use red certain times of the year to remind us of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Pentecost is the penultimate day of that. Pentecost Sunday reminds us to fan the flames of faith in our life each and every day. But we as, as we fan that flame, we're asking the Holy Spirit to work through us. I mean, fire is such a wonderful gift that we have been given. I mean, fire keeps us warm. Fire lights rooms up. Fire strengthens and tempers things like steel. Fire burns away the chaff and the trash, if you will, of the world. 
So when we fan the flames of faith, then the fire of the Holy Spirit does all of this within us and within our church and within the world around us. When we know what God calls us to do and we nurture that faith, then we are chasing the darkness. When we're nurturing our faith and we realize what God is calling us to, then any room that we enter into, any darkness in any part of the world, a part of our calling is to chase that darkness away so that the people of God the children of God, our brothers and sisters around the globe, see the light of Christ through us. If the world is truly our parish as we believe as United Methodists, then what must be our goal to chase the darkness from the corners of the earth? But not only does this fire chase darkness, it transforms the landscape around it. I think of what the Forest Service does when they do a control burn. They go into a section of the forest that's, that's filled with undergrowth and underbrush that if it were to catch fire in an uncontrolled fashion could decimate the whole forest. So what do they do? They light a control burn to burn away those underbrush and the sticks and the twigs and the scrubs that don't matter, that would threaten to choke out and destroy the forest. They burn all of that ugliness away so the forest can thrive. My friends, when we let the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit flow through our lives and be lived out in what we do, then we eliminate the junk of the world. We eliminate the traits and the behavior and the politics and the practices which hold our world back, which hold our society back, which keep us from succeeding in being the kingdom of God that God wants for us. I mean, an example of how we do that in multiple ways is think about maybe the issue of affordable housing. Some of us are hands-on people. We go to work for Habitat for Humanity, building Habitat homes. That is the Holy Spirit working through us to address affordable housing. Others of us believe in advocacy, and so we advocate for new housing policies and affordable housing in communities where it's really not affordable. That work of advocacy is the work of the Holy Spirit. There are others of us that look at the larger macro example and think that one of the issues of face, facing housing is employment opportunities, economic mobility. And so we think about things like better wages and higher training for our workers and our communities so that all have a chance to earn a living wage. Three different ways that the Holy Spirit works through us just to tackle the issue of housing. Imagine if we let the Holy Spirit work through us on any of the issues that face our world. Think of the debris that we could burn away and the force that could thrive, the kingdom that could be built if we did that. And just like, it's, just like it chases the darkness, just like it provides warmth, just like it burns away the ugliness of the world, fire also strengthens us. When we're unsure of what we do, when we lean on the fire of the Holy Spirit, we are strengthened just like steel, just like metal that's tempered. We are strengthened by the power of God's gift, of God's love. And so we have that resolve to face anything that comes our way. So my brothers and sisters, when we find and we are focused on our calling, we fan it by listening and worshiping and, and praying. It builds into a roar and it transforms the work around us. It transforms the world and the church that we want to be. And we're stronger to be able to get, we're stronger together. 
because we're right here letting God's Holy Spirit fill our very lives and our very hearts. So today is that red letter day. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit coming across our congregation, both in this space and across the internet. We use the red pyramids in this church for those things that are most special. We want to recognize the presence of Holy Spirit. Many of our clergy are given the same stole. They've been given the same one out for years at annual conference to remind us of our calling that the Holy Spirit lit a spark in us. So that's why so many of us have the same red stole. But we also use red for confirmation, remind our confirmands and ourselves as a church that we have answered the calling that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. When we dedicated the east and the central building renovation, we brought the red pyramids back out to remind ourselves that we answered God's call to renovate our building so that we could be in ministry to the community and invite them in to grow together and go out and change the world. So they're red today because it's Pentecost. Because remember that the fire of the Holy Spirit has been poured out over each of us and over our congregation. And so my deepest prayer is that we will let that fire ignite in our hearts. That we will discover our true calling, what God wants from us in this point in time in our lives. And that we will fan those flames and let that fire transform the landscape, the world, the community, the kingdom around us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.